Hello and welcome to episode 43 of the Arena Regulars podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Jeff. And we're your source for weekly drunken Magic the Gathering Arena content. Yep, basically we're regular dudes drinking irregular beers, talking about Magic the Gathering, and in particular Magic the Gathering Arena, the online client. Yeah, and this is our happy hour episode. Hooray! Woo! I love these episodes, Jeff. I, I do too, yeah. Uh, but first, each week we both bring a beer, we drink our own, then drink each other's, rate them on a scale of bronze to mythic, and choose the best for last. So with that, Jeff, what's on tap? Okay, this week I have Holy Trinity. It's a hazy IPA from Rouge River, and it's 6.8%. The can is black with some goblets in a kind of pattern all over it and uh, i've never tried anything from rouge river i don't think so i'm excited to give this a go nice i have ipa number 18 from collective arts <laughs> um i didn't guess i didn't realize that they do numbers like that but uh but they do uh so this is a coconut and key lime ipa and uh it's 6.4 percent and the can has like an art deck art deco kind of like there's a bird and some other splotches of color and things so yeah, they have their, like, core lineup, and then I think when they're testing out new stuff, or it's small batch, or, or whatever, they just call it something yeah. like that. Some of them come back occasionally, so, like, I, I've seen the IP number 7 in a few times, or oh, 12, yeah. some other popular one. I have seen those. All right, well, um, yeah, because this is, like, a limited release, so hopefully it's great, and uh, they'd like enough to bring it back another time. All right, magic news. We have a tournament this weekend. Yay. Tournament. <laughs> it's the uh, MPL and Rivals Gauntlet happening this weekend. Wait, what are tournaments? Yeah, exactly. Um, so, of course, they want to have these gauntlets at the same time so that you can only watch one or the other, basically. I guess. Yeah, I don't know. that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Are they doing one coverage thing for the whole thing? For all of it? I don't they, really know. They usually do something like that where you only get to watch Rivals on day one and you only get to watch MPL on day two. But um, Yeah, so anyway. I wouldn't be surprised if you could only watch MPL or something. I don't know. I don't know either. So we're getting the last four uh, players because the other four we got from the um, Challengers Gauntlet. And um, yeah, I mean, are you going to watch it? Uh... <laughs> Given how much I know about it, um, I might watch a little. Like, I'm busy this weekend anyways, so yeah, uh, like I'll be at a cottage, so I don't know if I'll really get to watch some of it. But sometimes I watch it later just mm -hmm. for fun, if I hear about cool matches or something. Mm -hmm. So that's most likely what I'll be doing. I, I feel very similarly, like, um, my fiancé has some family in town, there's a bunch of stuff going on, so I'm mm -hmm. definitely not going to just be sitting at home watching it, but... Um, I might. I'll probably check in. Like I, I am, I am interested to see who's gonna win and who's gonna go to Worlds. Um, right. But as far as the formats go, I'm not really that interested. So, mm -hmm. which more uh, of the same, yeah. Yeah, it's the same. Um, but uh, we used to do a bunch of fantasy for these leagues. Um, we are waiting until Worlds to do our final fantasy. So stay the tuned for that. <laughs> yes, we tied somehow unbelievably unbelievably <laughs> um so if you're interested in that stay tuned for worlds because we will be doing our final fantasy to see who is going to get the weird two four of beer because there were an odd number of events so if we if there were an even number of events it's you know not that unlikely to tie yeah 
but because there were an odd number of events, that could only happen if we tie one of the events. And we yeah. tied the last one. So it's just like, how could this have happened? It was so weird. Anyway, um, Jumpstart Historic Horizons has officially dropped. Yay. That's Wee-hoo. great. Um, yeah. Added a butt-ton of cards into Historic. Holy crap. Um, so that okay. format is way different. And um, Yeah. Jeff, have you been playing any Jumpstart? Uh, no, actually. I haven't played Jumpstart. My plan is to kind of let things settle down a bit, because otherwise, if I just jump in there, I will burn so many wild cards on crazy decks that I think are awesome, you know? It's yeah. Like, oh, this new card is going to be awesome, or this new card is going to be awesome. And then I'll never play them again, so I'm sort of explicitly holding back. Wait for the historic meta metagame to settle out a little bit, and then maybe find a deck I like and spend a few wild cards on that, but... Uh, um, yeah, if I if I jump in now, I just know that I'll be burning ticket or burning uh, yeah. <laughs> burning wild cards. Yeah. So I just played the actual jumpstart uh, game. I get. I, yeah. What is it even called? It's just mini called jumpstart. Game? It's kind of like yeah. a mini game. It it feels jumpstart feels a lot like <laughs> if you've ever played like Pack Wars. It feels a lot like uh-huh. that, where you just pick two things and then play. And that's one of my favorite ways to play is like, I don't know what my deck does. I didn't look at any of the cards. Let's see what happens as I draw them kind of thing. Um, <laughs> this time... It takes the pressure off to know what you could draw to. Yeah, exactly. But, however, this time around, before when they had Jumpstart, it was just like when you looked over the packs, you would only... like Because you get three different choices and you look over the packs and it would just show you the basic lands and you just have mm-hmm. like some art and uh, uh, the colors and whatever is in the pack and the theme kind of but you don't know what cards tells you it's vampires or whatever yeah but you don't know what the rares are really this time around they'll show you straight up hey this has a mythic planeswalker in it (laughs) and you're like i see and so it made it it makes it more collectible i guess yeah it's easier to get like you don't want to miss out on an awesome card but i guess you never would have known that you didn't take the pack with the awesome card exactly (laughs) but it is kind of nice because now you kind of look at it and it's like well I know I'm getting a Mythic for sure, and I might as well just pick that one, I guess, because I'm spending right. <laughs> like 2,000 gold on this thing, and I get two rares at least for finishing my games, and then probably three or more just from the pack. So you're like, all right, this isn't the worst. Um, so anyway, through all of that, I have a playset of Sphyloon, or Sphaloon, the uh, Merfolk legendary nice. creature, just from <laughs> they kept giving me the option to get a Mythic, and I was like, yes. Yeah. Well, here's hoping Merfolk becomes a real competitive deck in, in Historic for you, bud. That would be great. Right now, it's not. It's <laughs> it's rough. It is rough. But I still have a deck and I can play it, so that's nice at least. Just wait till some random supplemental product throws Aether Vial into the format. Mm. Suddenly, Merfolk will be viable. Oh, that'd be sweet. Though I, feel, I still feel like Elves would just be better, but... <laughs> <laughs> you never know. <laughs> you never know. Maybe it's like a Aether Vial, but for blue. Just blue stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just for Merfolk. Just, just a Merfolk Vial. Uh, they call it the Fish Tank. Um, Ooh, I love it already. I should work for Wizards, honestly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, Jeff, happy hour time. Yes. So, what is a happy hour? If, if anyone hasn't... If you're new to listening to the show, basically is what I'm saying. Um, mm-hmm. We do happy hours every set. Jeff, can you explain what that means? Yeah, so a happy hour is almost our version of a set 
review, I guess. Well, no, a set review, I guess, normally happens at the beginning, but, you know, after set, look, we look back on it and we decide, you know, what things really landed in this set? What, what was awesome about it? And so usually around this time, a few weeks before the next set drops, we get the chance to take a look back on the set that's most recent and, you know, figure out what we liked about it. Exactly. Um, we do a first sips episode at the beginning of every set. So this is a great time for us to look back and see, wow, we were either really right or really wrong or, you know, whatever, in the middle. Or Zach was just saying some stupid shit about whatever. <laughs> um, but Usually really wrong. But. <laughs> usually really wrong. Uh, drunkenly wrong is usually what happens yeah. here uh, on the show. But, uh, yeah, it's we're just trying to look back and, and think of the fun things because there are sometimes... People will look down on, on the past or the last thing that just happened. And we just want to remember all the good stuff, basically. Yeah. One thing I like to, to say is, you know, <laughs> there's plenty of sources to find out all the stuff that was not amazing about any magic set. In fact, you can learn all about why a new set's a disaster before it's even released. Yeah. So we don't, <laughs> we don't need to tell you that stuff. <laughs> yeah, you probably have already heard that. So you're coming here for something else. You're just drinking some beers with your buddies. Reminiscing. That's kind of what we yeah. do here. Yeah, we reminisce. That's right. um, <laughs> yeah, so Adventures in the Forgotten Realms, the D&D crossover set with Magic the Gathering. Man, were people worried about this coming into it? Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I was one of them, too. I, I'm not going to lie. Mm -hmm. I was a little worried that these crossover things would be weird. Um, and it kind of was at the beginning, but I jumped on board fairly quickly, like I do with most things, I think. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> I don't have a hard time. I just trust them at this point. I know it always is going to sound weird at first, and I'm like, they've done a lot of research, you know? They don't just pick an idea and think, yeah, that'll probably work, you know? Yeah. They, they run it through a lot of their, whatever systems they have in place for that kind of thing to see how people will actually react to it. Because it's a totally different thing hearing that it's a D&D &D set with no cards and nothing to go on than it is to actually play with the D&D &D set. Yeah, exactly. And feel like, oh, it's not really that crazy. Like, right. if, if you were worried about this, just remember that we had the Amonkhet, which was like ancient Egypt set. People were worried about that when that came out. Ixalan, yeah, yeah. people were worried about <laughs> dinosaurs coming into magic. Everything's been fine. It's wonderful. Those are some of people's favorite cards. So, um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy with what came out of this. If the other crossover sets are similar to this, mm -hmm. wow, this is good stuff. Yeah, exactly. Like if you took D and D off the packaging, and then maybe short of a few rares or whatever, you wouldn't really notice that it's D and D if you're just playing it, unless you are a big D and D fan. Like those of us that aren't, aren't. We don't feel like we're getting, we don't feel like we're missing anything really because it doesn't necessarily scream at you, hey, you, you're not getting this reference. Yeah. But if you do get the reference, it's just a little extra for you. Exactly. Like, I didn't know any, I still don't really know a lot of the characters. I've learned from, about them from the cards, but like, that's fine. Now they just are a magic card to me and then I just get to know more about them later when people explain it to me. Exactly. So, like, I actually found the Godzilla thing more annoying than because uh, my only complaint about the Godzilla thing was that there's no way for me to tell Arena that I don't want to use those promos. Mm. And the reason I don't want to use those promos is because there's like eight different Godzillas and I can't remember which, like, 
I identify ma magic art by its name, or what a magic card is by its name and art, like, right away. And when there's ten different Godzillas, I'm always like, wait, which Godzilla is this again? I have to, like, read the whole card. Whereas if I didn't have to use that promo art, I would just instantly know what card it was. Yeah. Yeah, so you're saying specifically, not necessarily that Godzilla and the other monsters are, are other versions, but Godzilla itself, or herself, I think, um, had multiple think so. cards. Yeah, yeah, there were just five or six different promos that were called Godzilla, comma, something. Something, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And some of them even were shared colors, too. And it's just like, super. you have at least done every Godzilla in a completely different color or something? Yeah, or something. Yeah, for sure. Um, I understand that. Because, like, the Rodin one, or, like, I don't know. What, or Rodin? Is it Raiden? I don't remember. No, Raiden is a Mortal Kombat character. <laughs> yeah, now that would be sweet. <laughs> Give we, me my Raiden card. Yeah, uh, <laughs> listen to our last week's episode if you want to hear more about Mortal Kombat, the secret lair. Um, <laughs> but... Um, but yeah, anyway, not talking about Godzilla anymore, but um, yeah, I think that as far as the D&D set went and their overall like scheme and how it was brought together, worked very well. Um, so I, I was happy with totally. that. Um, as far as the colors go, I, think I, I don't want to do all the color pairs, but just talking about like the actual colors... Um, because yeah, I mean we did the color pairs for Strixhaven because those are just the colleges. But, exactly. Yeah. Um, but we don't need to do all ten here, and uh, it really is draft specifically was broken down into just colors because there was a, a power imbalance to say the least. I think. Um, yeah, I think that's the biggest knock against this draft format was just that some colors were much better than other colors. Yeah. So I kind of have us talking about them in what I would consider the hierarchy. Um, not necessarily like complete tiers above each other, but this is how it kind of breaks down. Um, so a lot of people, myself included, think red is the best. Mm -hmm. Red was the best. Yeah, I think there, there's pretty much no one who debates that, yeah. who has played a lot of, of limited yeah. of this format. Especially because like just the card quality is high, and most decks you play against are going to have some red in it. <laughs> Just, you know, red makes treasures. Totally. That's another yeah. reason why black is also really good, because they make treasures. And so you can take the cards yeah. from the colors you don't like and play them in red-black <laughs> or something yeah, that touches Outside that. of the treasures, it's really hard to splash. Exactly. Uh, yeah, red was just, you know, it had the best two-drop. It had the best removal spells. It had, the had like, powerful... I think even some of the best cards were probably red, like Meteor Swarm or whatever. Um, was just kind of an unbeatable bomb, happened to be a red rare, not even mythic rare. So, uh, Yeah, so Meteor Swarm, I used to play with that constantly when the set first came out, and I don't know if they did something in Arena, but I haven't seen it since, like maybe for like a month, <laughs> not just myself, but any person I've played against, I haven't seen a Meteor Swarm. So I feel like you're just, yeah, it's just variants and... Maybe probably you hit the unlucky one at the start where meteor swarms in every other game, and now it's well, starting to push back towards the meme. For me, it was because I had meteor swarm like three or four times in the first week. Oh, so <laughs> call it lucky then. Yeah. yeah, it was very lucky. I was the one meteor swarming the shit out of other people. Or as I'm waiting, maybe to people get the didn't know it was good somehow and were passing it to you. Is that, is that what was happening? No, I just opened it every time. I would every time I would open meteor swarm and lulf. It happened constantly. That's all I opened. I opened a lulf good. today. <laughs> playing being like oh my god I, I i opened like seven or eight of this card hey that's another 40 gems i know <laughs> so but uh but yeah absolutely moving right into black as well 
Um, Speaking of Lolth. Yeah, Lolth was of the Planeswalkers for the set. That was the one for Limited that I felt was extremely strong. Um, mm-hmm. I think, and I also think Master of Flowers was probably um, up there as well. Those are the ones I played with the most, but I also felt like the other ones they either didn't see very much or, I know, not to exclude your favorite I had one, like no, yeah. <laughs> I had like no experience with pretty much any of them. I think I played against the green one once, and it was pretty good. It started to take over the game because it accrues mm-hmm. advantage over every single turn. So I think they were all good and limited, but yeah, the black one seems like the most the most dominant because you just get these spiders that are real creatures. Like it yeah. comes down and makes two spiders. It's already a three for one because the spiders are real creatures and then this is a real threat moving forward too. Yeah. So it's just like, it's just playing it as a three for one. Exactly. And you want them to block or double block or whatever because then Loth just gets stronger. So like... Totally, yeah. It was... Um, it's a good card. Hey, magic cards. They're good. Um, yeah. But like I was saying before, I think the reason... So do you... Uh, yeah, actually, no. Let's, let's form this more as a question. So obviously the card quality in red and black was very high. And mm-hmm. some of the removal spells were very strong that they had access to. Um, like Rave Enfeeblement, Power Word Kill. Um, you had Burning Hands and Dragon's Fire. Do you think that the fact that their theme was treasures made it really push it over the top as far as like if they didn't have the treasure sub theme, then the the colors wouldn't be where they are. Obviously they wouldn't be where they are, but how important was the treasure for them being strong? I think it was it was very important, I think. Um, because just in terms of rock card quality, I don't think white is that far behind black. Um, so it really cemented these at the top is that not only are they the two deepest colors, but they also have the best, like, synergy. Mm-hmm. The treasures theme in their synergy was stronger than any of the other two color pairs, what they had going on. Like, that was kind of White's problem is it's, if you paired it with green, you would get a really strong deck if you got the proper uncommons, mm-hmm. you know? But the, the synergies weren't built in at common, whereas like red and black had this, oh, your deck's going to be awesome. And then if you also get these uncommons that are printed for red and black, your deck's just going to be like even better. Also, they had like the red dragon and the black dragon uh, were very strong mm-hmm. um, compared to like the green one, let's say. Right. Yeah, the green one was, was the worst. Was one. the worst one. Um, now, I really like the, the and then I kind of want to move into white. So the white dragon I liked a lot. Um, mm-hmm. as well but it does kind of come down and like just do a little bit of a tempo play and sometimes you can leverage that and sometimes you can't um, but of course that's with most things but um, we did see some great white cards like we got that dwarf the 2-1 dwarf that draws a card and gains a life oh yeah that guy's a house people were just so excited about a, a white card that was a little creature that drew a card like yeah <laughs> and it, it wasn't green. It's amazing. How? I mean, that was one of the stronger comments because yeah. it's just like, like I'm saying, a two power creature is always a real thing in limited. Mm-hmm. And to just get one that comes in for free and the gaining life was relevant for some synergies and stuff, it was, you know, just a very strong card. Exactly. Uh, White got its classic uh, two mana two two with lifelink. Always love that card. Yeah. So Steadfast Paladin was great. The two mana three one was also great. Um, which I, I don't know if that one was great, but it's like, <laughs> that one was acceptable because the format was aggressive. It was obviously not, like, comparing it to the Hobgoblin one, uh, yeah. 
obviously the hobgoblin captain yeah, or whatever the hobgoblin captain which is the three one that when it gets packed tactics it has first strike obviously that one's a lot better because once two of those start coming at you there isn't a ton you can do like it's hard man you can't like, man this two drop is attacking through my four drop that's stupid yeah that's stupid. i can't block this at all i can't double block it i can't do anything um so that was a real issue uh and so obviously looking at it from that perspective of the white one doesn't do that um mm -hmm. but it is funny i was surprised how much i liked the three one in white even without any equipment just being like yeah it trades up that's it's that's, a three one it's a three yeah. one it trades up it was nice yeah because the format ended up being quite aggressive so just three ones for two were fine yeah which i loved i love we were talking yeah. about this at the beginning where mm -hmm. i immediately always want to play an aggressive deck and draft and right. i was having a lot of success just drafting two drops <laughs> yeah and I was like, I've identified that red is the best color, but I can't seem to win at all. Like, mm -hmm. what is happening? And then I just started attacking, and that's when the wins started piling up. Yep. <laughs> uh, attacking's great. Love it. Love, love attacking. Um, then, well, through that, I realized that Knoll Hunter was one of my favorite mm -hmm. green cards. And I was like, this one's super fun. And you put that together, do the pack tactics thing. Um, it was awesome. I loved I loved No Hunter too, but as far as besides that, when I think of like green stuff, I like No Hunter, I like Owl Bear. There is a couple of like the the green removals was usually a little better than it usually is. I think. Oh, that is true. And there was more of it. Like, you're not used to having two different fight cards in the same limited set. Exactly. For yeah, that's true. Um, I do think it's interesting that like, um, so the two fight cards are like Spoils of the Hunt, which is a three mana mm -hmm. instant, um, big. Big deal, instant speed, fight, always good. Yeah. And then the other one, Hunter's Mark, I think, also instant speed. That was crazy. Yeah. I was like, oh, the only thing... That, right, that's true. Yeah. And if we ever do get two fight cards, they're never both instant. Yeah. It's like either, oh, that's the sorcery one, so you see it all the time, and the instant one gets take, taken a lot. Um, the only knock against the Hunter's Mark or whatever is it's part of the cycle of hate on a color things. And that one hates on blue, right. and nobody played blue. So it was yeah, like... It, oh, but it was, it was playable even at full price. I know. A four-mana fight spell? Yeah. I mean, it can't be countered, but too bad nobody's countering anything because no one's playing blue. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And, but this is another, you know, your question about red and black, and it's like, well, the best green, you know, removal spell, possibly the best green common, pays you off for having treasures. So you want to pair that with red and black. Because yeah, exactly. Like you get, when you had treasures with that card, it was such a beating because they would block or you would block and then play that to pump its power. So then it would kill something and then trade in combat or whatever. And you would just get, you know, like so much more value than you expected. Exactly. Oh, yeah, because it wasn't even just a fight. It was just a shoot. No, it's called a bite. That's what it's called. Um, yeah, but it would pump its power. So you could, yeah. like, they'd block with like a 2-3 on your whatever or maybe a 2-4 on your 3-3. Three, three. Mm -hmm. And you would eat the two, four, and eat whatever you used the, you the bit, spell on. Yeah. It is solid. And also, once again, we get like the six mana, you know, big dude gain a life or gain some life. It was uh, the herd, yeah, herd good gorger. Too. Yeah, it was the seven, six, you gain three. Um, I think it's herd gorger hill giant because I remember noting that he was called a hill giant. A hill giant. He was not a hill giant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I guess uh, uneven power and toughness. So there you go. That's nice. Right? 
Yeah, it was like a 7-6 or something. Exactly. But Hill Giants a 3-3 three, three for 4. Oh. So I, was, I wasn't even like a double Hill Giant or something. I guess I was thinking of a, a different Giant that was a 4-3. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I wonder what Giant that would be. <laughs> um, yeah, anyway. Um, so they just continue to make these cards. It is interesting, like, you know, obviously playing a lot of limited. You're like, oh, this is the card that does that. It's the 6-mana right. green card that yeah. is a big body that gain some life or those kinds of things so there's the four mana clunky black removal spell that has a small upside of whatever the theme of the set is yeah exactly so um there's the giant six mana black removal spell that isn't really great but or whatever Mm -hmm. um gets the job done in a pinch exactly uh but but yeah so um i really think as we're moving into blue this is the first draft format where I have noticed that people will just not touch a color. So it definitely always happens a little bit. Once people discover what the worst color is, that color tends to become more open in the mm-hmm. drafts, um, especially in the... I've noticed it in the platinum range the most for me. Like, if you're below that, maybe they just don't have that information yet or, or whatever. And if you're above that, then they know that just because it's the worst color doesn't mean you have to avoid it. Mm-hmm. So I've always found drafting right in that kind of middle area, gold, platinum, maybe even early diamond, whatever, you know, limited resources has told you is the worst color is usually wide open. Yeah. Uh, but it was, it was most distinct, most pronounced in this set, because I think this is the worst a color has been than the other colors in quite a while. Yeah. Like usually it's, oh, white's the worst, because that's been the theme for... You know, yeah. the past year or whatever. But it's not that bad. Like, it's a little worse than whatever the second worst color is. And this one, to me, felt like blue was quite a bit worse than green. Yeah. It felt like it was its own place. And I normally don't want to buy into those kinds of things, but I just would not have success with any blue decks. I think I had one mm-hmm. winning blue deck, and it ended up being blue-green, hilariously enough. Um, right. And <laughs> it was the... One of the stupidest decks I ever built. And it was probably the most fun I had, though. Like, that was there the deck. I That's think I was talking about it. It's like, um, basically, all I played was the uh, that one wizard, the, the two mana two, or sorry, the three mana two three that can tap to untap a permanent. Yeah, um, the mage the, hand guy. The mage hand guy, yeah, yeah. So that one, and then I would play, like, find the path on my lands so I could untap my double tapping land or whatever makes super lands uh and i think i had three of each of those cards and then i just had two black or sorry two blue dragons and my whole plan was just block with two threes play blue dragons gain a little bit of life from green cards and then eventually grind out the game where i play tasha's hideous laughter and kill them (laughs) if the dragons haven't won the game yet if they haven't won the game and a lot of times they wouldn't they would get like um some enchantment on them or they get removed or, or they couldn't attack it's a lot of removal yeah and it was just like i got to mill people out several times of just like wow it's just that really does grindy. Sound like fun. yeah <laughs> and it ended up being one of the most fun decks i played and the most memorable because i got i went into it thinking this is the stupidest thing i've ever built and it, i left being yeah. like that was awesome but i could never do it again it's not gonna work it only right. worked because i had that one rare that i opened at the end um, right. Before that, I was going to say that's the thing. It's not like an archetype you can <laughs> no. push yourself into, right? You have to have Tasha's hideous laughter. Yeah, and people just wheeling blue dragons to you in any blue cards that you could play. 
Um, I mean, so. the Mage Hand guy, I think you can get as many, he, like, Clever Conjurer or whatever, yeah. I think his name is. Mm-hmm. You can get as many of that guy as you're interested in. Exactly. <laughs> the no, most drafts. But. Yeah. Um, so, uh, that was the only one, but I don't know. Did you have any success with blue decks at all? Uh, I think one time near the beginning of the format, I, like, popped off with a uh, dice rolling deck, like blue-red. And so I okay. just thought that that was such a strong archetype because I think it was the first time I drafted it and I got all of the good uncommons for it and stuff. Um, and by popped off, I meant like maybe five wins, you know? Yeah, I mean, that, <laughs> and then to that me, was that's just a... like, okay, well. <laughs> hey, if you get your money back, five wins is, that's prime, man. After I get five <laughs> totally. wins, yeah. I crack open another beer, I pour myself a shot, I don't care anymore, you know? I'm like, yeah. whatever, everything's <laughs> like free after that. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> But yeah, man. I think that's the most success I had. I tried so many things, too. I had this awesome blue-white deck that had uh, Teleportation Circle, and it was built around ETB effects because I took Teleportation Circle first. Mm-hmm. And it's still just like my opponent was just like playing good black and red cards and easily beating me, even when I had my whole engine going and stuff. It was no. like, ah, this sucks. I had the exact same thing. I After you told me about your teleportation circle deck, I opened one first in a draft. I was like, well, I got to do the thing. I got to try. And the best yeah. thing that happened with that is that I think they they put Minimus Containment on my teleportation circle twice, and I killed it both times with Dawnbringer Clerics. But I kept playing yeah. that, that card that like you can destroy an enchantment or something. Yeah. But most of the time I would get in the sink of, you know, flickering a bunch of stuff and doing a bunch of things where I didn't I could block and like flicker stuff or I had a displacer beast and some other things and it was so much work to like still lose <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like it just... I was literally at a point where I was flickering air cult elemental every turn mm-hmm. which bounces something when it enters the battlefield I was like my opponent's still beating me yeah it doesn't, it doesn't matter <laughs> they're just recasting the creature that I bounce and then also doing something else. I want to say, if you are bouncing a dragon with that, it's probably a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, oh, that, that was a problem. I kept bouncing their red dragon to their kept doming hand. you for four every turn. <laughs> for some reason, I lost like three turns later. <laughs> <laughs> oh my Air Cult Elemental just cleanly blocks the red dragon, too. So there's no, there's no reason to do that. And the other thing with blue is that the dragon is the biggest one. They they yeah. they must have known that blue was kind of like behind when they were building it because they're like you know what of all the dragons they're all gonna be four fours but the blue one's gonna be a five five that's the just blue one is huge yeah, yeah. Um, and even you know if the if the blue dragon was like a six drop that was a four four and then it would have looked so clean when it comes into play and then it gives minus three and then minus two and minus one and it's a four four that looks a lot nicer than yeah. a five that does the same thing so. Just as from an aesthetic point of view, but anyway, doesn't matter. No, they should have made it cost five, so then it's five, minus four. one, minus one, minus two, minus two, minus three, minus three. It's a four, four, and it costs five. There you go. That's there's the cleanest. Oh, but if it was, <laughs> it could have been like five and a and a blue, and then it would have been like there's the five up there. Anyway, doesn't matter. Okay, I see what you're saying. Um, picking it up. In yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, I think that was just like the biggest bummer for me was just that it felt. Drafting went from I am loving this to quickly realize it was very much a, a big slope down to oh man this pack is all blue cards again and that happens yeah. every time I draft 
this is the exact same thing happens. See, I don't think I drafted long enough to get into the point where nobody ever takes blue cards ever. You're like, oh crap, uh, all these cards at the end are all blue. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so. But I was getting, starting to bleed into the point where like every other deck you play against is red black. Yeah, that for sure happened. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that was because like, yeah, like we were saying the card pool is so deep that you can just, there can be yeah, multiple Yeah, like some drafts could decks. support three red-black drafters, you know? It's like, That's insane. And, and they'd all have pretty fine decks. They wouldn't be awesome. You know, the awesome decks came about when there was one or two. Mm -hmm. But it's like, there could, I'm pretty sure I've seen drafts of, because they do these drafts sometimes of the streamer showdown, so it's eight streamers drafting. And it's like three of these people were in red-black, and, you know, two of them met in the finals or something. Yeah, and you're like, <laughs> what the fuck? Anyway. Um, Jeff, do you want to get into some mechanics? Yes, I would love to. Um, where should we start? Should we start with maybe dungeons? Wow, that would work. And then after dungeons, maybe we'll do dragons. Oh, look at that play. Hey, wow. That's brilliant. All right, yeah. so the first mechanic, obviously the uh, big new one, one of the big new ones, was venture. So venturing into the dungeon. This was one of the mechanics that was going to, you know, bankrupt wizards due to how bad it mm. was and stuff. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, but after playing with it, I thought it was fine. I thought it was fun for a while. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah. I mean, I kind of wish they'd push it a little more to make it conceivable that you could ever play this in Constructed. Mm -hmm. And I know some people are going to yell at me now, oh, there's the Esper, there's the Esper Dungeons deck in, you know, Magic 2021 or yeah. Standard 2021. Or 2022. 2022. Yeah, 2022. Yeah, Standard 2022. Um. No, it's not really a real deck, though, and it's it's not going to survive the test of time because it's going to get no help yeah. from any of the subsequent sets. You know how strong... So I wish they'd just given us a little more yeah. here. But. It has to be, like, at least, t like, tickling adventures to be part of, like, the, the whole standard world. That's right. So, yeah. um, it's not. It's really not. Um, I mean, it was fun for draft. I did enjoy it, um, though... I do have to say, like, after completing dungeons, I'm like, huh, that kind of felt all right. <laughs> like, yeah. The first couple of times you do it, it's like, oh, that was cool. Yeah. Like, I completed the dungeon. And you're also thinking, like, ooh, which one should I do? Like, what would be best? And then once you kind of figured out that the Lost Minds of Fendelver are, like, the way to go, you're like, well, I guess I'm just yeah. going to do this I one I think again. they made the Lost Minds too generically applicable. Mm -hmm. Like, if you were ever unsure, you should just pick the Lost Minds. Exactly. Because then, like... The Mad Mage scries too much throughout it or t at the beginning. or It just it always felt like, I need something that's going to affect the board quickly. Mm -hmm. And the Lost Mines, you get a 1-1 one, one at least after you venture twice. So Right, or a treasure, and you get to choose which one of those is more valuable. So. Yeah, and yeah, it just, like you were saying, you can get through it pretty quickly, and generically it's just better, um, and you're not like destroying your hand and everything to get a 4-4 death touch so like it wasn't you know always choose this status quite but i'd say i was going into that at least 75 percent of the time probably higher than that yeah the only time i would go in because i really didn't go into the mad mage unless i was doing some displacer beast stuff which rarely happened right. um you need to be confident in your long-term ability to venture that you have to venture at least once a turn maybe twice um right and Every once in a while, I would, like, if I was winning the game, I would try to close it out by going into, like, the Tomb of Annihilation. 
But mm-hmm. usually that wouldn't even do it, you know? It's just like, oh, they have to discard a card or something, and oh, they sacked a land. or It just didn't, like, get them hard enough. And a 4-4 Death Touch wasn't strong enough to, like, really change the course of the game. So I was like, it's not really worth it. Like, I might as well just get some generic yeah. value. So... I remember sometimes though I'm sitting there, opponents at one life, and I'm like, okay, I could venture, and then venture again next turn. I could get a one-one, and maybe that'll push the final point of damage through. And I'm sitting there, and then eventually, like, oh no, no, and you just go into the one that makes yeah. the least one. Life. <laughs> yep, yep, that's yep, that's the one. <laughs> Sorry for roping a new opponent when I had it in, when I had a venture card in hand. <laughs> yeah, that is fun. That was fun. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I you know. I liked it. I'm also ready to get to move on from it, though. Um, but it, it was, yeah. I was happy to have it while I did. So Yeah, I agree. I think it was, you know, it was a success in the grand scheme of things because people came in so, so low on it. Uh, but it, I don't know. If they don't ever do this mechanic again, I would have no issue with that. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but moving on right to dragons. Now, if they, if they don't do this mechanic again, I will have an issue with that. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Technically, dragons is not a mechanic. Yes, I understand. I know you're yelling at me right now. But obviously, it was too fun to say Dungeons and Dragons, so of course we have to talk about yeah. the dragons. Um, and it's a theme of the set. There were a lot of dragons. That's true. There were, what is it, nine? No, more than that, because they had the dragonborn ones, too. I don't even know how many yeah. dragons there were. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. I was really happy with it. I liked the, the way that they had some powerful top-end dragons for each color, um, even though uh, they weren't all amazing. It was nice to have, like, the green creature not be the best, which was weird. Yeah. Like, isn't it, that... it was the worst, in fact. Yeah. It was kind of cool. Yeah. It was kind of cool because, like, traditionally, dragons aren't in green, and flying creatures are also not in green. So it was nice to have, like, oh, this, this flying dragon thing that normally you think it you know, green has the biggest creatures, wasn't the biggest, and it's really not the best. Um, mm-hmm. So I like that they were able to take that that leap, even though um, I it would have been it would have helped green out a lot if it had some stuff. But you know, green green's fine. Green give green. Some green doesn't guts. always have to be the best. Exactly. You know? we can, we're allowed to have a set or two where green's not the best. Yeah, and so that was really nice. I was happy with that. Um, and the other ones were dope. All the mythic ones were sweet. Yeah, I mean the mythic ones are really cool, except for the green one. <laughs> now, now people are yelling at you. Now people are mad. <laughs> That's probably the most expensive one. It it is. It's the most expensive card <laughs> in the set. And I know because I actually I opened one in paper and then I gave it to my buddy because I was like I don't want this. <laughs> Do you want this? That's nice. <laughs> I mean I think he's gonna trade me something for it, but I gave it to him for now. Anyway, um, sure. <laughs> but you fell for that old trick, eh? I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, like, I'm happy that they were actually around. It didn't feel like it was like, oh, maybe you're going to open the mythic bomb, you know, dragon thing. It was like, no, I played so many games where dragons were the deciding factor because I just didn't Mm -hmm. think, oh, maybe I should save a removal spell in case they have a dragon because, of course, they're going to have a dragon. They're everywhere. Um, Right. So it really did make the set feel like Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah, these were cool. Yeah, they were cool. Um, Jeff. Now... I want to get to some more mechanics. However, mm-hmm. I am seeing that my beer is empty. Um, Mine too. Yeah. I think maybe uh, before we get into these really spicy mechanics, we're going to need to get another beer, right? I think so. We should go to a beer break, right? Yeah. Rouge River. Mm-hmm. Their holy trinity. 
So it's funny. I wonder if I could get my uh, my mom to drink this beer because the Holy Trinity. If people don't know, my mom <laughs> is a pastor who doesn't drink very often. So that's why. <laughs> when I see like church stuff, I think about her, of course. So, um, Still might be a hard sell. <laughs> probably. I think just the alcohol in general is not. She just doesn't like that. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Mom. I have a beer podcast. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Okay. Back to mechanics. So this, this one, is, all right. So this happens every time we do one of these episodes, I forget what mechanics were actually in the set. And then we yeah. start looking back at the cards. I'm like, oh yeah, that was a new mechanic. It feels like we've had that forever. Like totally. It's just I mean, we're playing it a bit fast and loose with mechanics. The word mechanics here. That, that is true. So we we the, do the next one is is legitimately a mechanic. Yeah, <laughs> this next one is dragons. Not really a mechanic, but <laughs> this next yeah. one, yes, this is a mechanic. So, let's talk classes. Mm. So we got a whole new, I guess, super type here. Is that what this is? I think it's a super type. Yeah. Um, so these were enchantments and. They were to represent the different classes that you can play in D&D. Uh, and basically, they worked in a similar way to sagas, except that you got to choose when to upgrade them to the next level. And they, ne they never went away, so they tended to be lasting bonuses. Um, so they ended up playing really well, I think. I mean, what did you think of the classes? I thought they were awesome. Um, yeah. I was happy, because they look a lot like sagas, obviously, because the text... Mm -hmm goes down but um as we had kind of mentioned in our first sips episode they're on the right the text is on the right hand side while sagas are, the text is on the left hand side so it does make it easier yeah. to, to tell them apart um but i have like i remember seeing them at first and being really like oh i don't know about this like we'll have to see and i love them i love the yeah. this enchantment levels up twice you can do it if you want you don't have to but you have to decide if you're going to do it on your turn so they're not so strong that you can just, like, instant speed level it up or any of that stuff. Um, right. Because, like, in the past, with the actual, like, level up mechanics or, like, Outlast and some of those other abilities that creatures have had, I didn't like them because you usually had to, like, they're at sorcery speed and you have to, like, tap them or different things. Mm -hmm. But on an enchantment, it always felt like, oh, well... I can just and do creatures it creatures are so vulnerable, so you never wanted to invest mana in it because it's just going to die. Yeah, exactly. And and the cool thing about some of these is that, like, so the, the rare ones, for the most part, they had just, like, lasting effects that would happen for a long time. But some of the uncommon ones were fun because when you got to, like, level three or stuff, it would basically just cast a spell, you know? Like, um, which, what's the one cleric class is the one that, like... Mm -hmm. Uh, the first two kind of feel like, oh, I'm not sure if these are amazing, but then the last one's like, oh, reanimate a creature. You're like, oh. Right. Well, and then gain life and trigger all my other abilities. Exactly. Because, you, you know, you know me, where if I start to read a card, I, I quickly stop reading it if it's too long or I don't see interest <laughs> in it. So sometimes I miss some things about stuff. You right. Know, it just happens. Wait, that's what the third chapter yeah. does? Or so the third level does? I would just, you know, the first two say when you gain a life, you get whenever you gain life, I'm like, okay, this is the gain life card, pass it, right? Or whatever. I'm off it. Yeah. <laughs> but like if you there are some random gain life synergies in some of these decks and it ended up being super great. Like every once in a while like you're cool dragon or the creature you really needed or some flyer or something is in the graveyard 
you just randomly have this enchantment they can bring it back this i was i was just like really happy with the way that they executed this and i felt a bit uneasy at first yeah and i think the other thing they got absolutely right on these was like you were saying the sorcery speed upgrade was key mm-hmm. um and also just the numbers they had on all of them they, they all seemed very expensive to me at first just like the level up cost is really expensive mm-hmm. uh, but then after playing with them I'm like no this is right because if it was less than this uh like it'd be, just be too good yeah and so they they kind of got the numbers on all of these just right where some of them were targeted for constructed like ranger class mm-hmm. and it's a very strong but not unbeatable constructed card exactly and then some of them were targeted to be limited powerhouses like cleric class right yeah um, and then some of them were targeted to be not that good, but if things lined up right, if you had them in the right deck, you know, like Barbarian class or something, they could be very powerful still. So yeah, they just kind of got the, the balancing right on them. The flavor is awesome on almost all of them. Um, and they're just cool cards. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Um, of the things in the set, the new things we've seen, this is the home run slam dunk for me. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. Definitely home run slam dunk. Happy with it. Um, yeah. If they bring these back somehow, I don't know how you would do that exactly. That's, that's the other thing I was going to say. I don't know. Are these going to become like a mainstay where they show up sometimes, kind of like sagas? But like, what um, are the other classes? Like, the theme is so tied to D&D, right? Like, the flavor of them that I, I wonder how hard it would be to do. But who knows? Maybe like, you know, in Kamigawa, they'll have some sort of cyber ninja class or something, right? That's, that's true. That's not a and d thing. Because maybe you could have, like, samurai class and, like, ninja class. Mm-hmm. and Or maybe they even go into, like, a more meta thing in Crimson Vow, where, like, they're talking about classes, but, like, your actual monetary class. So there's, like, high oh, class and, like, like low Victorian class. Like Victorian England kind of. Yeah, that kind of stuff. That'd be pretty interesting, you know? Um, so I think just the saying class could mean multiple different things. Um, mm-hmm. So you could have like an aristocrat or something. Uh, and the card names don't have to literally be called class. You mm-hmm. know, it can just have the super type class. That's yeah, true. Which I think when we were talking back the first time, you didn't really get why they would have a super type class. It just seemed unnecessary. But, right. But maybe this is, maybe there, there might be more that we don't know about and that ties them together. I don't know. We'll see. After playing with them, I think it might like it's that it's a cool enough card type mm-hmm. that it might be worth trying to expand on its flavor and put it in other sets. Yeah, definitely, absolutely. With that, there's a couple other like mechanics. Are they mechanics? This is what I mean. Like these aren't even these are less mechanics than dragons is a mechanic. Yeah, <laughs> um, but I still consider them something that was part of the set that was a thing. Um, and it's worth talking about. It's worth sure. talking about. So basically, it's the choose-your-own-adventure cards and the named ability cards. And we're kind of lumping mm-hmm. them together because that's what they are. They're basically... They're just extra words on cards for fun. That's They're like... Fla- yeah, we can lump, lump them into like... Like flavor... It's additional flavor text in a way. Right? Yeah. Like the named ability is, is basically extra flavor text. Because if they just didn't write that, mm-hmm. you know, like... It, the card would do the same thing because there's never any card that references if a creature has pack tactics or yeah. something like that. 
pack tactics was just a flavor word that they gave to except for to pack tactics is the one that feels like it's gonna continue to happen you know yeah no. that's the one that they're definitely gonna tie into the werewolf set coming up because it's called pack tactics but. yeah so like um let's say the, obviously there were a bunch of different random abilities and stuff so all the dragons had their like cold breath or poison breath or whatever flame right or, acid breath yeah or whatever um, lightning breath I don't really remember most of them to be fair um, I think uh, anytime something is in italics I don't read it I don't know what it is I don't <laughs> read it like uh, <laughs> there's already enough to read on this damn exactly card. it was a big problem when I was doing a lot of plays because there's stage directions in italics and I just skipped that part to see what my <laughs> lines were so um, wait how was I supposed to know I was supposed to enter from over there I don't know <laughs> It doesn't say stage left anywhere. Oh, it does. Okay. Those are invisible to me. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, so I am thinking back now, um, what are the actual ability name things? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, well, pack tactics I thought of because that was like the only one that gets used multiple times. I but think. that one says pack tactics, and then it says if you attack with six or more, blah, blah, blah. And there's a ton of creatures that have pack tactics. So that's its own yeah. deck. But there isn't like right. Blink Dog deck that's like, what's that? It's like a, it's like Disappear or something. What is it? It's like. It's Teleport. It's Teleport. Okay. So Blink Dog has Teleport, which is phasing, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and Displacer Beast is similar, but it's like Displacing. It's a Displace. It's all like, a, it's all spells from Dungeons and Dragons. Exactly. They, yeah, exactly. They're all spells that I don't or know. Abilities. So to me, they seem random. But they're not random, obviously, and I know that, but it doesn't mean a lot to me. I remember the monk had Stunning Strike. Stunning Strike. Oh, it didn't have, like, flurry blows or something? No, I'm talking about the monk that tapped things. Oh, the 1-4. Oh, I was thinking of the monk of the opening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. There's there's multiple monks. Yeah, come on. Get your head out of your ass. <laughs> what was I thinking? Um, there's even a whole class about it. Yeah. You, did you not take that class? <laughs> Why didn't they have classes in Strixhaven? What's going on? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh man um yeah but so i didn't really appreciate these like i'm like you not that i didn't appreciate them but i just kind of ignored them like i read them when the cards came out uh and i was like oh cool and then for the rest of my time playing with these cards i didn't even notice them which i think one thing to say is there was a lot of concern that it'd be confusing because it's like not a keyword, but is somewhat templated like a keyword, except that it's in italics. Uh, and I think that that turned out to not be true. Yeah. Like, it just now, wasn't confusing. Yeah, I don't know if it's because uh, we're on Arena, so I'm like, whatever. But I, Or because, you know, we're not new players. Maybe it's that's more confusing true. for new it, players. It could be but. confusing for new players, but I feel like if I was playing in paper and I could look my opponent in the eyes, I would probably say... I would be more cheeky. Stunning strike. I would be kind of an ass about it, I think. Uh, being a little cheeky and, and just making little jokes about it all the time. So I'm sure there would have been a different uh, experience that way. But um, but as far as the choose your adventure cards, I thought all those cards that were like, you find a thing on a whatever. You, right. Yeah, yeah. You uh, you come across an idol or something. You, you will get attacked on the road or whatever those things were. I don't remember the names of any. Oh, you see a pair of goblins. That's like... The one I remember. Oh, before, yeah. Right? Nice. Um, I thought those... Well, the cards were awesome because they did multiple things and they were great. And also, were they were super fun. Like, 
Um, yeah. Those are just regular magic cards that we see all the time, except for they did a good job adding extra abilities to cards that we'd normally have. So it was a good excuse to be like, hey, these are both situational things, but yeah. you get them both instead of having to choose. And it doesn't like make new players feel like they're falling in a pit, especially part of this like kind of core set replacement. I thought they were a perfect, like, I don't know. They're like the mayonnaise of cards. They like kind of keep everything together, you know. It completes yeah. the sandwich in a weird way that you would notice if they were gone, but like you don't think of them as like the most important part. Um, I I really I thought, I thought you were gonna say because it's hard to make properly, you know. Oh well, <laughs> maybe that. But um, it's yeah. easy to burn your eggs, you know. Like they were they were pretty fun. Um, I also don't remember a lot of the flavor named stuff with that um but all of those cards every time i saw one i did like it and i, I would chuckle a little bit and they just worked really well yeah i thought it was nice having so many modal cards in the set the flavor on them was was awesome was fun you yeah. know it was good it was one of those things that you don't have to have played dungeons and dragons to appreciate like to get it mm -hmm. and i think those cards go a long way for making everyone okay with the D, &D set yeah. Because it's like, I get you see a pair of goblins without ever having to play Dungeons and Dragons. And like, my two options are to attack them or to like sneak around or to like incite them. I forget what that card in particular yeah. it was. It's but like it, befriend or like attack or something. Yeah. And it's like, I get that, D I get that this is D&D &D because that's mm -hmm. what this game is like. I know that you, you come across things and you have to make decisions. But I don't have to have played D&D &D to get it. Yeah. And so I think these cards went a really long way in bridging the gap. I do think it's going to be awkward if any of them are good enough for constructed. And like, if we're watching the world championships even, and somehow, and it's like, well, he does have, you see a pair of goblins in hand, so he's going to have to uh, <laughs> find out the right time to play that and which mode to use. Before. Yeah, that does feel. <laughs> it's a bit lengthy to be saying in coverage and stuff, but mm -hmm. hey, it's not my problem. It, that's true that's true it's uh somebody else's problem um but overall like you know they were uh they were fun they're good or even just talking about decks it's like i decided to run three copies of uh you come across a glade rather than the usual two yeah <laughs> it's a little awkward it does sound strange um so this next mechanic we only have two more but this next one is one literally while we were building the list i forgot about it completely <laughs> yeah um and it might have been one of the most polarizing ones that people are still mad about i think um yeah. but i'm not so um dice rolling hey dice rolling not just <laughs> dice rolling but d20 dice rolling right yeah magic has never done dice rolling in the past except for in unstable they did d6 dice rolling and now you have d20 dice rolling in standard i think the commander decks did like all the dice yeah so that was like their their way to bridge the the gap in D, &D culture a mm -hmm. little more because the D, D players i think overlap more with the commander co players commander players mm -hmm. than with standard and historic or whatever whereas standard and historic players tend to want less not less variance but less of that kind of variance mm -hmm. you know just rolling a die and so I thought it was a really good decision to do the, the full set of D&D &D dice in Commander yeah, and restrict it to just D20s. In, uh, I, I agree. I th that was also a really good decision. 
Um, now, I haven't played with any of those other ones, and it would be interesting to be around a deck that does have a bunch of different dice. Um, mm -hmm. But I, obviously, if that's what you like. I personally don't love dice rolling. Um, if it like has a very specific... Anyway, doesn't matter. I don't really love dice rolling in general. But these cards were built very well. We've said right. this a couple times. Um, the way they went about it is in a smart way where you don't get screwed and you don't win big. It's like either the ability happens and it's fine or it's better. Exactly. And it's not so much better that you just win the game. Yeah. You know, like, it's I, just a bit better. Yeah, I really think the blue card, uh, it's two and a blue for the 2-1 that when it has flash, when it enters the battlefield, either it taps something or it freezes something. And right. depending on how high you roll. And that is awesome. And I, I liked all of that stuff. I just, I didn't like the, the actual dice rolling deck wasn't very good. And the cards that yeah. cared about dice rolling. But, you know, the, I love But it was important that none of these cards become like, are, are the best cards in standard. Exactly, yeah. Right? Like, you know, if it's, you know, they make Bone Crusher Giant, but they made it a dice rolling Bone Crusher Giant somehow. And it's like, if you roll above a 10, you get a Bone Crusher Giant. And if you roll below a 10, you get like a two mana shock or something. Yeah. And you're just like, wow, that would be horrendous because, you know, competitive players hate that kind of variance. Mm -hmm. But it would just be like, I don't want to have to play this, this card where so much is determined by a random number generator. That makes it. That's what makes it feel like when people use the term Hearthstoney. This mm -hmm. didn't feel Hearthstone to me. It's Hearthstoney to me because it's just slightly different. Yeah, you know, like it's a little better if you roll better. The one that really didn't land for me was Power of Persuasion. I don't know if you remember this one. Yes, but it's like one to nine. It bounces something. Ten to nineteen. It goes on top of their library, and I think that should have just been ten to twenty mm -hmm. because twenty was like you you active treason it or like you gain control of it and then you get one more turn with it. And I remember all the time I was like, please not a 20, please not a 20. Like I need to bounce this. I don't want to steal it and just give it back without ha them having to spend men on it. Mm -hmm. Like I really need to not hit a 20. And so sometimes I'd hit a 20 and be like, ah, that, and it's like giving me the animation of, wow, you got a 20. I'm like, that was horrible. I lose the game now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I wonder if, that if blue if the blue black deck was stronger what if that card actually works with like the ghoul that you can sacrifice something but like it was like if i do yeah get i mean it, maybe but, that was the intention but, but like, also, that's a red black thing it's true <laughs> I, like as i'm saying that it's like but you don't want the 20 to be like oh sweet so like you got a 20 good thing you're only in this one deck that has another card you need to make it actually right. good so and yeah. you don't want to wait to cast this until you have your ghoul because most of the time it won't do that. It'll exactly. It. So, <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I, I do think it's really funny. Like, they, they built these good enough that, like, number one, it wasn't a good draft deck. Like, it didn't take over. Um, the, right. Like, even the, the Feywild Trickster, the one that, like, makes the little fairy dragons, was something mm -hmm. that was around a bit at the beginning, but then once people started playing blue, obviously it wasn't around very much at all. Um, but the fact that in draft, you could make, like, an infinite number of, of <laughs> creatures. True. 
and this deck wasn't busted <laughs> just means like sure so like if you didn't hear about this at the beginning so what's her name delina of the something something i don't remember um uh it's a yeah it's a red card that, that sounds right i think it was delina of the something, something. it's it's delina of the something something it's three in a red for a whatever. oh it's delina wild mage i just oh just delina wild mage so it's three in a red for like a three two or something but basically when it attacks you get to roll a d20 and you get to copy a creature that you have but if you you always copy a creature but if it's above 10 or whatever then you get to or no 15 it's a high number and if you get a, a good roll then you get to you get to roll again to continue to copy copy another thing yes yeah. and so if you have the uh, pixie guide which lets you roll two dice to see and then take the highest number for all your dice rolling stuff it lets you roll one more than the number you would roll yes exactly sorry so you could you could add yeah you're right it doesn't right. double every it doesn't double it just adds would, one more that but, would get out of hand super quick yeah. but <laughs> but this does kind of the same thing where like you have a pixie guide you attack with delina then you want to copy the pixie guide you do copy it and then you get to roll again and then now you have two pixie guides so you get an extra dice and you keep doing that and it's possible to just have a ridiculous number of pixie guides so much so that they had to errata Delina to say you may roll again, right? Because people were breaking it and like the game would never stop. Like, because uh, there's a certain point where you have so many pixie guides, it doesn't matter. Like, you will always roll again because you just there's no way you. Yeah, won't. I mean, like once you're into the double digits, I mean, we're talking like ninety something percent yeah. to roll again, and then hit that a few times and like you you get up to 99% pretty quickly. Yeah. But you know, the first roll is pretty unlikely even with the pixie guide already out. Exactly. And so it's just it's not easy to pull off for sure and it's not technically infinite but like you essentially get to a point where the odds are so low that you ever miss that I think it's smart to just give you the out. Yeah, exactly. Like, um because it was being a problem. But anyway, mm -hmm. I just think it's hilarious that, like, that has happened. Like, that happened in Arena often. That was a deck people were drafting. And obviously, right. you have to open a rare, so that's you different. first pick Delina, and then you're like, okay, mm -hmm. pick every pixie guide I see. Because the thing is, like I was saying, okay, if you have one pixie guide, you're still not that like You're not likely to hit on the Delina. But if you start with three pixie guides that you just cast, and then you attack with the Delina... It's like, now, okay, it's pretty likely to kind of pop off here. You're 65, 70% kind of thing. So, so um, at that point, basically, I just thought it was hilarious that, like, wow, look at this busted combo that you could draft and people would want to draft. And then as soon as people were like, don't touch a blue card ever, never yeah. again. <laughs> never again. I never <laughs> saw a dice rolling deck ever. I'd never yeah. seen a pixie guide or the stupid red 1-3 that deals one damage when you roll dice or whatever. Because that, if you did the other one, you would just... <laughs> If you had one of those on the battlefield when you attack with Delina, they're dead. <laughs> you just shoot them. Yeah, it's just like you don't have this increasing probability of each roll succeeding thing, mm -hmm. right? So it's like, yeah, each successful roll does more damage, but it's you still are only 25% well, to I mean, make another copy. You make the pixie guides until you make the other dude. Right, so yeah, but you, if you had the other dude out, if you made enough pixie guys, they're just dead from the one dude, right? Exactly. So that, well, either way, you just have the one dude. Yeah. You play the card nobody plays. So you it's win now the game. a three card combo. Or whatever. Yeah, but it's more fun when there's more cards, right? 
Anyway, yeah, yeah. the more cards required for a combo, the more fun the combo is. Exactly. I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The official stamp. <laughs> the more cards. Yeah. <laughs> I have a 60-card combo. It's called my deck. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, uh, we've been talking about dice rolling way too long. but uh, Yeah, it was kind of like they made it weak on purpose because people hated it. All right, next. Next. <laughs> um, we have some creature lands. Um, these were awesome. So there's one in each color. These are the, um, the cards that you can animate into a land, but they actually tap for color. Uh, and I think they really nailed these in, just in terms of they're all worse than Faceless Haven on a raw power level stance, mm -hmm. but they offered certain advantages over Faceless Haven in that A, they tap for mana, and B, they can go into two color decks, which traditionally has been very difficult for Faceless Haven to, yeah. to do. I mean, I know... I know the crazy people who played Is It Dragons in Standard or Prismari Dragons in Standard also decided to throw Faceless Haven into their two color deck, but you know we shouldn't we shouldn't be learning from these people. So. Yeah, I think it's I think it's okay to have a Faceless Haven in your. And just don't do four. Just do less. Don't you don't <laughs> yeah. have to play four Faceless Havens if you're playing. It's Faceless also Haven. like uh, if with the Fabled Passage and then the like twelve eleven Snowland <laughs> mana base or some shit. <laughs> like this is so sketchy, and you're playing Brazen Borrower and. Um, especially with Fabled Passage leaving, I think it'll be way less common to play Faceless Haven in a two-color deck. Yeah. Uh, which is, and it's already kind of uncommon. Just wait, Midnight Hunt, Fabled Passage. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't even be that surprised. <laughs> <laughs> Just but anyways, like, obviously they're, you know, these had some power level disparity here. You know, some of them are better than others. But they're all pretty good. And yeah. they all... These ended up making the biggest impact on standard of anything in the set, I think. Like, the reason Gruul kind of skyrocketed is it had the two best ones. And so it just... Like, maybe the blue one can be considered one of the best ones, too, but it needs a very specific type of deck. It does. It, it's backbreaking. The other two just yeah. fit into Gruul. I think it's backbreaking when it's in that deck, but... Um, but, yeah, for sure. I know you hate it, so... I, I hate the blue one a lot. Um, yeah. But that's because I think it's good. Not because I think it's bad <laughs> right <laughs> now there are cards that you hate because like it, it's bad design and there are cards that you hate just because it's a good card in a style of deck that you don't play but yeah so we're gonna see a lot of these man lands or creature lands for like standard through probably this next rotation but at least in all the like monocolor decks for sure they're just yeah i think these are gonna have their spot you know, they've carved out their spot in standard for yeah. next year or two. Absolutely. So um, if you don't know them, know them, because they will be relevant. Sure. Um, <laughs> so looking back, our first Sips episode, we always do our worth a slots. So yes. <laughs> uh, basically we, we pick uh, three cards each, uh, basically our layup, our three-pointer, and our half-court, full-court crazy shot. Um and we like to say whether they're worth a slot in your deck or not. So it's time to look back on whether they were worth a slot in standard. <laughs> I so <clears throat> when we made we hold these, ourselves accountable here. You know? We we do hold ourselves accountable. So, however, in that episode we were talking about these are cards we thought would work after rotation. But right, this is an awkward one. It's a little awkward. We don't but, know yet. But. but some of it is like, did it also work in standard twenty twenty two? Because that was mm -hmm. kind of the rotation time, 
right? It, it, it's, it's like the beginnings of rotation, right? Is that format. Totally. So I just want to quickly go back and revisit which cards we had picked and if we still feel the same way or not. So, Jeff, do you, would you want to start us off? All right, so I led, I led it off with I am Rith. Still don't know how to say this card. Didn't know how to say it then. I am Rith, Desert Doom. <clears throat> I was hoping that it would be worth a slot, especially post-rotation, in some sort of more traditional blue-style control deck, you know, with the power level of the mid-range decks rotating out. I was thinking we might control might be back on the menu. And I'm happy to say that I think that did occur in standard 2022. Like we have some mostly Demir control. You know, there was a little bit of Azorius for a while, but it kind of landed on Demir. Uh, but Imrith was a big part of that. That was like the win condition for that deck. Yeah. No, you're 100% like... Um we were kind of thinking it was going to be this Azorius thing, but the Demir thing crept in, um, and you'll still see one copy in, like, uh, Prismari Dragons. So um, right. it's definitely around. It's definitely a card that will, <laughs> like, you're like, man, I'm in such a good boar state. And then they play that, you're like, oh, fuck, I'm going to lose, like, right now. <laughs> I have one turn to kill it, and there's no way to kill it, so that sucks. Yeah, so, um, yes, I think that's definitely worth a slot. Right, good job. Hey, Jeff, good job. <laughs> My uh, layup was Ranger Class, because, you know, yeah. I already just knew. I, I just I didn't want to take any chances. Um, right. And that card's great, you know. That's in, uh, you know, green Stompy decks in Standard 2022 and in... Standard, it's good. And it's in regular it's powerful enough to crack regular standard. Yeah, no, this yeah. This thing was worth a slot for sure. Absolutely. This might be the best card in the set. Or it could at be. least in the context of the standard metagame we already had, because it you know, it gets played in Winota sometimes. Mm -hmm. uh, some people were playing it in their Gruel decks, some people everyone was playing it in their mono green decks. They were playing that. So. It's a strong card. It's kind of like greens. Uh it levels up into like it, it's like a harder all right, I'm trying to figure out what I'm trying to say. So, um, it's basically the green version of, like, Luminarch Aspirant, but it gets, like, it just is harder to get rid of, and you have to put cards mm -hmm. specifically in your deck to get rid of that card. Yeah, totally. Um, and then it turns into one of these card draw engines, which Luminarch, Luminarch Aspirant doesn't do, right? It just keeps yeah. putting down the beatdown. But uh, this turns into, like, an experimental frenzy. You know? yeah, it's like absolutely. Luminarch yeah. Aspirant into experimental frenzy. So That's a great great way of putting it what's the first what's just like a two mana spell that makes a token <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh it's a it, i guess it's just a bear it's a bear that right. turns it like it <laughs> whatever <laughs> doesn't matter um yeah definitely. But that's why it's like luminarch aspirant in a lot of ways because luminarch aspirant is a grizzly bear when you play it all right and then it yes it's up over yeah time. you're very right all right so you're saying that i what i was saying was was Basically right at the beginning. Perfect. Yeah, a, li a little bit, somewhat. Moving yeah. on to our three-pointers. <laughs> Jeff, what do you All think? All right, so I led off with, and I'd like to just say this is just a, like one of these pet cards of mine, but mm -hmm. uh, Zeriel Archduke of Avernus. Um, so, I don't know. Wh wh where did we land on this one, do you think? I remember we were uh, discussing whether it was going to be it was like worth a slot, but in a very specific deck. And if that deck doesn't have a, a place in the metagame, it won't appear at all. I think that's what it kind of felt like. Right. 
Um, I know I've been playing this card a lot, and I've had some success with it, and I love it. But I don't know if it really penetrated the standard 2022 metagame. I, and certainly, I'm the only one crazy enough to play it in, in full-powered standard. But. Yeah, I haven't seen it on the battlefield um, ever, so yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> you haven't played against me enough. I haven't played against uh, you. I haven't played it myself. So Yeah, I think the like red-black tokens decks uh, that were kind of all the rage at the start of standard 2022 um, ended up falling a bit back like tier two, tier three status, mm -hmm. uh, which is the type of place you would play this card. And similarly, like mono red is, wasn't one of the tier one decks, which is another place you might consider this card at the top end. So, um, you know, maybe I'm, I'm willing to say that uh, so far this hasn't panned out, but I'm still holding, uh, I'm still holding my hopes that this can still be worth a slot. One yeah. Day. Uh, so my three pointer worth a slot was guardian of faith which is the mm -hmm. three-mana white card that uh, faces out any number of uh, creatures you have. I, mm -hmm. I I think back then I was saying it might be worth a slot as like a sideboard card in mono-white. Uh, I've played it a right. bit um, in some of those mono-white decks and stuff, and it just never... It was never the card I wanted. Ever. Okay. <laughs> I, don't think I, I don't think I ever had a situation where I was like, sick, I'm going to hold this up, they're going to play a Wrath. I'm going to trick them like I was thinking. It just never really mm -hmm. worked that way. And I wanted more beatdown. And it was like a protection card that cost three. And all the other protection cards cost like one. So I was like, Phew. I just didn't I like I feel like it. you got to just not be scared to slap this down and step oh, turn three as a three two, you know? Yeah, I definitely would. But it was never like sick. That was strong play. Yeah. It always felt like, oh, man. I, I think kinda... our big concern with it was just that there's so much competition mm -hmm. because there's already, you know, like uh, Paolo's a three drop in white. Mm -hmm. And then there's also the Skyclave uh, Apparition. Skyclave Apparition and a couple of other good white three drops like Redain and stuff. Yeah. So it's just like, it's really tough to crack the, the three drop slot in a white aggressive deck. Even though it's like a flash creature, but like a lot of times you want your creatures on the battlefield before so that your Luminar Gasprint could give them a counter to, if you want, whatever. Anyway, yeah, I, I was not, uh, I, I think I've, I've gone down on that and I'm, I'm sad about it, but, uh, but yeah. And maybe as some of the other, protection creatures rotate out like there's two good one drop protection creatures right mm -hmm. now so that kind of makes this maybe less valuable because you already have cheaper ways to accomplish a similar thing so we'll see kind of but, what what happens in uh in rotation but uh for the most part right now i don't uh i don't love it um it, it, like again it might be a sideboard card but saying might be a sideboard card is like no that's not yeah it's not really great at all so i think we're in the same boat you know these haven't cracked in but we're still holding out faith although you've you seem to have come down a little on the card i've gone right i've now. come down pretty far i think um yeah <laughs> but uh moving into our half court ones which are the ones where i feel like we're really low on where did you pick yeah. for your half court shot i picked dritzt dorden um so <laughs> For those of you who don't know what he does, let me just remind you very quickly. He's a 3-3 three, three for 3 green and a white with double strike. When he ETBs, you get a 4-1 with trample. And then he says whenever a creature dies, if it's 
power was greater than Drizzt's power, you you put counters on him equal to the difference. So the idea is that when the 4-1 dies, this gets a counter. But also, you know, it's a little more general than that. If, if somehow you manage to kill a 6-6, then he'll get three counters, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, this card is just way too expensive for current standard and is obviously not powered for historic. So, I mean, I still think it's a long shot, as I did then. But if we're going to see this card, it's going to be after rotation. Yeah, I don't... Yeah, if we see it. Like, maybe. Maybe it would be a fun, like, weird Celestia sack deck in Brawl. Um... I don't know. Yeah, or or if elves, you know, ever actually becomes a thing, mm-hmm. just because that was one of the, the things for me is he's an elf. Uh, they really didn't push elves as much in this set as I hoped they were going to. But yeah. I don't see Innistrad coming out with a whole bunch of no, elf tribal. But. No, probably not. <laughs> so, um, but you never know with with elves, right? Like any set could have a few elves, like even Dominaria. That's true. Uh, and then suddenly this card gets played, but as the top end for an elf deck but new capena maybe one of the mafia uh houses is like yeah, maybe there's an elf crime family there yeah. you go that'd be kind of weird the bant uh, elf crime family ooh, and this slots right in i like that i like the sound of that bant elf deck um but yeah so um not great on that uh my full court half court whatever shot is tasha's hideous laughter which is a mill card that exiles stuff um yeah that card, it seems so sweet, but like, I there are I mean, decks that that would, card is great. That yeah. card is great. The decks built around that card are not great, and mm. the creative ways they've come about trying to make it great are interesting. But I've played against them, and they're like, it's always like, okay, cool. You played your haymaker, and it doesn't kill me because it only does half right. or whatever. Mm-hmm. You doubled it, still doesn't do everything. So. Um, hmm. I don't. My, it's not my, the critical mass of mill that there once was, and yeah, my, I don't think they're going to give it more mill to us just because uh, people are a bit tired of the rogues' experience. I exactly. Think. So we will see what happens with maybe self mill stuff in Innistrad because the graveyard's a big deal. So exiling might be really important. Um, it would be f- a funny sideboard plan, but I don't. I don't yeah. have. I don't think it's good. It's a sweet card. <laughs> it's just not the right like time. It's for a it. really cool card. It's not. Yeah, it's not doing anything. And, and people play it in modern and stuff. So mm. maybe that's what it was targeted at. Maybe, and it just tricked me. I got tricked. Um, <laughs> let's go into our favorite card for stuff section. So cool. We have picked our favorite card for different formats or different. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, arts or all that kind of stuff. You'll you'll see how it goes. It's 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 not crazy complicated. So, yeah, it's pretty self-explanatory, actually. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. We're gonna read a title and then we're gonna then, tell you our uh, nominees. Exactly. So, uh, Jeff, for limited, do you have mm-hmm. your favorite card? Okay. So I did have a quick question though. Yeah. Is it like my personal favorite card to play, or is it the card that I had the most success with, or like is was the best for me? I don't know. What does it's up to you? Like okay, it's just um, yeah. It's really important because either way, the answer is Hobgoblin Captain. Okay, yeah, I think that's <laughs> fine. Like Hobgoblin, I I think your favorite card is the one where you open the pack, you're like, oh, 
yes, I got it. That's yeah. my favorite. I love yeah. playing it. Like that, if you have that reaction, <laughs> go for it. Uh, yeah, I there's there's a few like okay, I loved plundering barbarian more than I probably should have because it's just like a <laughs> two two for three that makes a treasure or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Hobgoblin captain though, like I just loved playing with this card because it's like generally these types of cards aren't that good. Like three ones for two mm-hmm. are usually quite bad. Uh, and then this also, you know, with success, you st- start to st- like the card, too. And you're just like, by the end, it was like, he was my Grotag bug, bug catcher of this set. <laughs> you know, where it's just like, I'm, I'm just ending the draft with, like, four Hobgoblin captains because I'll take them over literally, like, Everything. almost anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like, Meteor Swarm might beat it out, but other than that, it's, we're, we're taking the Hobgoblin. captain. That's funny. I mean, like, I have a similar experience because um, my favorite limited card is Minimus Containment. And okay. that's a good removal spell in white. It's not that's the card, best yeah. removal spell. But I loved mm-hmm. I, I loved the idea of, like, turning a creature or a planeswalker yeah. or whatever into just a gem on a table. I love the art to it. It's funny. Um, the flavor is on point. Yeah, it was, like, a different way to do the enchantment gets rid of a thing card and the downside is real like it's sometimes i lost games because i had minimus containment instead of some other removal spell some like something that didn't give them that treasure the times where i get their biggest thing or whatever and then they crack the treasure to play the dragon that they've been waiting to play in their hand i'm like oh fuck i just help i just oh oh that sucks um, mm-hmm. but it doesn't stop me from wanting to draft it every time. I love that card. Um, just a lot. It, it brought me into white more often than I probably should have been in white. I don't know how great the card it actually is, but I just really like it. Um, I think it was good because it dealt with anything, right? Yeah. But the downside was also real. So I think people tended to overrate it just on power level a little bit, but. The amount of times where I'm like looking at a creature and a Reaper Talisman, I'm like, I'm gonna hit the Reaper Talisman, I think. Like oh, <laughs> and that kind sure, of stuff. You're yeah. like, oh, maybe the problem is actually just this equipment thing, or oh, this also hits yeah. planeswalkers. Okay, this does a lot of stuff. <laughs> so um it's it's been great. I I not just as a good card, but like as a if I saw it in a pack, it would be hard for me to be like, should I be in white though? This is here. Maybe I'm going to start being in white now. <laughs> um, but moving along, Jeff, standard. What was your favorite standard card? Yeah, I mean, I feel kind of bad just because, like, my favorite standard card is definitely Zariel. <laughs> you know, that's the card we've already talked yeah. so much about. But, like, I already loved the red-black tokens-based sacrifice deck with Awaken the Blood Avatar Yeah. coming into this season, and this slots so naturally into that deck. Um, that I kind of, it's hard for me to give a different answer because that's the card I've played by far the most of. And, there. Uh, I mean, there you go. Like, the, I'm, Zeriel, take it. That's great. Like, my favorite standard card is a card I haven't ever played, <laughs> but <laughs> I just love the fact that it's in standard and I think it's hilarious. And this right. is the Prosperous Innkeeper. Yeah, because I was going to say, it's probably the Innkeeper, which is also probably, like, the correct answer for best standard card from this set. Well, I, it, it's just hilarious because, like, I've played so much more with Ranger Class and, were, like, well, Werewolf Pack Leader. I've played with the, the Creature Lands and, like, Master of Flowers and all these different cards. But I 
I haven't played with Prosper's Innkeeper, and I think it's hilarious every time it comes down. Because I'm like, I yeah. love the idea that every time they print an Innkeeper card, it's going to be standard right. playable. I love it. Yeah. I was like, we should have learned our lesson from Edgewall Innkeeper being the best card in standard, right? It's so funny. I just think it's so funny. And so, like, there's no way I couldn't just say that that's just the card. Yeah. Right, but um, also this card was like one of the first ones we saw from the entire set. I think like it was one of the early releases. There was this and Power Word Kill and stuff. Yeah, exactly. That were leaked right away, um, so you almost forget about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You just kind of forget. So, um, but I the mean, Winota deck wouldn't be possible without this oh, card. Absolutely not. So, uh, props to that. Um, or I guess it'd be possible, but it wouldn't be tier one. Yeah. So Jeff, historic. Do you have a favorite historic card from AFR? Uh, <laughs> so I don't think any of these really cracked historic, did mm -hmm. they? Um, yeah. If I'm, you if you I'm don't, not sure I've played any of these cards in historic. I, I have one or a few. Okay. I have a couple that I. All right. So for historic, let me scroll through the cards while you give your answer. Yeah. And just you make sure you scroll through your cards um, as I give yeah. my answer. So for historic. I haven't played a ton of AFR cards, um, though I do think uh, the most played AFR cards in Historic are the basic lands that have the cool... <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I see those all the time, actually. Yeah, the yeah, story good point, hooks good point. <laughs> on the lands. Um, I'm not even kidding. I, I haven't played any AFR cards in Historic, and I really think that the lands are the ones you see the most. Um, yeah. It was interesting that they put little story hooks for your campaigns on the lands. Uh, I think that was a good idea, actually, um, having extra flavor text or whatever. But, hey, if, if someone does a whole campaign off of a land from a magic set, that's crazy. That's awesome. Like, go for it. I love to see, like, the, the sprouting creativity. So. That is yeah. my favorite card for historic. Like I'm sure people maybe play the creature lands in what like one or two ofs here and there. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> I've seen people try to make bard class work, but the deck never looked that good. Yeah. Yep. Gruel players probably play like uh, the werewolf or whatever, but yeah. Also, don't think gruel is good. So, yeah, I, I guess this. This set added nothing to Jeskai controls, so nobody plays it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly right. Um, but moving right along, this is one that I actually haven't figured out completely yet. But, okay. Um, do you have an answer for what your favorite card with a new mechanic is? So are we counting like all of the mechanics that we listed uh, previously? Like dragon? Sure. Uh, well, dragons. All right, it has to be new. Okay. Yeah, okay. dragons is an old mechanic that that came back. <laughs> it's not a mechanic. <laughs> I don't know why I said it was a mechanic. It's not, but whatever. It kind of is. Like things care mechanically about whether stuff is a dragon. That uh, you know. Okay, sure, but that's a tribal thing that's been around forever. It sounds like the first. Yeah. So I don't know. Tribal's a mechanic, right? Yeah, I guess. Sure, whatever. What do you want to say? So I think for my answer, I'm going to go with the deck of many things. Okay. Because I just think it's like the big mythic dice rolling uh, thing, and and it's kind of a cool card. Uh, 
it's I don't think it's good or anything, but I, I, it's my favorite card with with like the dice with rolling. One of the new mechanics. Yeah. yeah. Totally. That definitely makes sense. Um, I also have a soft spot for dungeon map, and I played that a lot in limited. But <laughs> are you really dungeon map? <laughs> oh yeah, dungeon map baby. Huh. <laughs> All right. Okay. That's weird to me, but I didn't really play any dungeon map, so that's why I'm like. <laughs> I know. I feel like every time I posted a deck list, you'd be like, "Why are you playing dungeon map?" <laughs> it's like that. Seems, that card seems kind of bad, right? Um. So I think. I loved it. Yeah, well, obviously. Oh, man. Okay, so I'm having conflicting feelings right now about what my favorite new mechanic card is. Um, mm-hmm. But I think I'm actually going to give some love to the Hoarding Ogre. I really loved, oh, yeah. I really loved Hoarding Ogre. Um, yeah, that was sweet. It was probably my favorite dice rolling card because no matter what, you're getting treasures out of it. And it's just like... Mm-hmm. I, I literally played a draft today where I had a couple hoarding ogres and it wasn't correct for me to attack, but I would just continue to do it just because I'm just going to get more treasures. I can't block, but, you know, maybe those treasures will be helpful. Uh, spoiler alert, they were not helpful and I should not have done that <laughs> and it was a bad Your time. just decided no blocks and, yeah. s- and smoked you It back. was a bad time, but, uh, but yeah, anyway. <laughs> I like that. Uh, flavor text. What is your favorite card or flavor text on a card? I totally thought you were going to choose a class card, by the way, for that last one. I was thinking about a couple of them, but I, I, yeah. I, I knew Hoarding Ogre was just like a, a one that I had liked quite a bit, actually. All right. I have a few options, actually, for flavor text, but it was funny when I was looking through, I assumed there would just be tons of flavor text in this set. Mm-hmm. There's not really, because a lot of the cards have so much text that they can't fit. The flavor Flavor text, text. yeah. And so that's another part where the flavor words kind of comes in, I think. Mm -hmm. You know, that's probably the reason they decided to do that, is they knew they wouldn't get as much flavor text as they wanted into, like, a, you know, D&D-themed set. So they added these flavor words. But my choice, I think, in the end, it's very simple. It's a card I've never, ever played or played against. But it's split the party. (laughs) And the flavor text is don't. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny because that is my favorite flavor text. <laughs> and I was going to say the same thing. Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> it's like I feel like this card only exists because they thought of the flavor text. And we're like, All right, no, have to. <laughs> so what's funny about this card, um, so it's blue if you don't remember it. That's probably why you don't remember it. That's probably why you don't remember um, it. It's blue and it's not constructed playable. So Exactly. Um, but in draft, it's actually pretty good because like the way that it's worded, it doesn't seem like you get to choose which ones go back, but you do. You get to pick yeah, which yeah. cards go back. <laughs> um, so it's not terrible, but like... You know, you don't want really more than one of them. It's also not great, like, as a six-mana sorcery. It's a five-mana sorcery, so... Oh, okay. You're right. I was just, like, too busy. I was enamored with the flavor text, and I didn't see the casting card. Um, This is a thing... I just... A quick note on flavor text. As arena players, we don't get to see them very often because they're not really on the cards. Right. But I would say, take your time. You know, it's always fun to, like, hover over cards. and, And when your opponent is roping you because they're mad... And they got up and left their computer. 
Read the flavor yeah. text of all their cards. Yeah, learn, learn the flavor text. <laughs> learn the flavor text. Um, because uh, you never know when you're going to laugh at something. So, uh, But split the party. I love that we both... Uh, yeah. This is a fun thing. So before the show, you don't know this, but we were both trying to figure out if we wanted to do flavor text or not. And we were both like, nope, actually, no, I got one. I know exactly which one I, I wanted I, I to do. I figured it out. I know my favorite. Yeah. And I was thinking that maybe we had the same one, but I wanted to see, and we did. Yeah. <laughs> That just tickles me. That's so funny. Um, yeah, that's great. All right, favorite art. Uh, do you want me to go first? Because I feel like I've been making you go on the spot a lot. Yeah, you should go first because uh, I don't know if you're going to like my answer. Oh, what does that mean? <laughs> oh. All right. Um, all right, so I have a couple different ones uh, that were my favorites. Um, but I think going through it, this was hard. This was pretty hard. Um but I might actually, through all of it, I have a couple... Okay, basically, I'm just going to say I have a couple mentions, honorable <laughs> mentions. But my favorite art is Eliwick Tumblestrum, but the alt art by Steve Prescott. That is my favorite. I just like the way that the sun is shining on Eliwick, and it just looks so happy. You don't, get, you don't always get a lot of happy, nice art in Magic, and this is just like Ellie Wick singing with her frog and her fairy friends, just having a totally. good, good time. Yeah, uh, I can get behind that. Yeah. Honorable mentions are Portable Hole by John Stanko and Feywild Trickster by uh, Iris Compete. I think that's how you mm-hmm. pronounce that. I'm not sure. Um, but both of those also caught my eye. But Jeff, what is, what is your favorite art that, that is going to make me mad? So this one was hard to do because some of the art in this set is fantastic. So it's like, you have just a lot of options. I actually decided on uh, a piece by Johannes Voss. Um, and this actually appears on a land, interestingly enough. Okay. But it kind of shows this underwater city or civilization that is, it seems to have sunk into the bottom of the sea after a long, long time. Um, and I think it may have previously belonged to some storm giants. I'm not, I'm not totally sure. Um, the card is Hall of the Storm Giants. <laughs> the art on that is just beautiful to me. Every time I look at it, it like really brings me in. So. It is. It reminds yeah. me of Theros a lot, just because the columns. Yeah. Um, yeah, it has that it, totally that same mm-hmm. feel. Um, no, that doesn't... So, you know, I, <laughs> I don't love... Hall of Storm Giants as a card. It's killed me, and it's, like, more of a control deck thing. Um, but the card is good. It's a good... It's beautiful, you know? Yeah. Um, I was just setting you up for that one. I know. Yeah, I, you did a good job. That was a nice slow roll, because it took me... I was looking through a bunch of basic lands trying to figure out what you're talking about, but... Uh, <clears throat> all right. Anyway, that is our happy hour of Adventure in the Forgotten Realms. That's it. That's the, that's the episode. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we, uh, after Overall, that was a success, I think. I as think a, so. Our, as our first, you know, full set that dealt with uh, universes beyond. Like, I know we've had secret layers that were crossovers and stuff. And, uh, but as our first kind of full crossover, I thought it, you know, it went super smooth. Yeah, that I was, thought it was great. I, I cross my fingers that uh, the only other one we have to really deal with, people need to remember this, but the only one we have to really care about is the Lord of the Rings one. Because yeah. 
everything else is just like other random stuff. That's the one on arena. And I think my ex- my experience with this one makes me less nervous about the Lord of the Rings. Set. Yeah, I think it's probably going to be awesome, and I really just want to know what the one ring that rules them all does. Yeah, and I just want to know what color Gandalf is. So blue. Gandalf is going to be <laughs> yeah. blue. Just wait. <laughs> blue green. <laughs> yeah. No, the new way is red black, right? Can you imagine Gandalf is red black? That'd be it so makes weird. Makes no sense. <laughs> makes white creatures. Anyway, doesn't matter. Well, anyway, I'm ready for last call, and I need another beer. Yep, I agree. Let's go. Here we go. Big reveal. Three, two, one. Whoa! Oh my gosh, I'm very surprised. I thought you were for sure gonna pick your beer, the Holy Trinity. No, not this time. Wow, IPA number eighteen. Wow. With uh, Sabro and Motueka hops. Yeah. <laughs> Motueka. Is it Motueka? I don't know. I don't know. Um, <laughs> wow. I'm just trying to read it phonetically after having a couple of beers. That's so. true. That's true. Interesting. Wow. This I doesn't wanna... happen often, but it... I really like it when it does. Yeah. Um, now I kind of wish that I picked my beer. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I wondered if this might happen. Because for me, they're pretty close. But. Mm-hmm. They were. So, um, as usual, we have a rating system for beers. Mm-hmm. It so happens that it's also the same rating system for the arena tiers. Crazy. Huh. Beers and mm-hmm. tiers. Interesting. Um, I don't know how that happened, but it did. So, uh, we rate every beer on a scale from bronze to mythic. And bronze is trash. You throw it in the garbage, you throw it out, it's, it's, you can't even finish that beer, which means it's really bad if you can't finish it. Uh, silver would be macro brews or micro brews that have nothing going on for a deeper dive into silver beers. Go check out last week's silver series episode. Gold is fine, but you won't really drink it that often. You don't think about it, really. Platinum is solid, uh, and you would drink this one again happily. Diamond is, it's exceptional, and you will definitely recommend it to someone. And Mythic is the absolute best. You would recommend it to anyone. That's right. So this week we are rating our Collective Arts IPA number 18, which is the Coconut and Key Lime IPA, and then Rouge River's Holy Trinity Hazy IPA. Mm -hmm. So do you want to start with the one you picked or the one I picked or the one you brought or the one I brought? (laughs) Um... Yes. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Let's start with the one you brought and the one I picked. Mm. Okay, so the one I haven't had in a while, and I can't remember too much about, but this is yeah. Collective Arts uh, IPA number 18. Um, Jeff, why did you pick this beer? Um, see, maybe this explains the, the way... <laughs> the way that this went but i feel like you were probably expecting more i don't know key lime flavor or something or more coconut i think this kind of delivered on the flavors it promised without them without those flavors being so pronounced that i don't get the ipa you know to me it's coconut and key lime ipa mm-hmm. not a coconut and key lime beverage with ipa like qualities yeah which is kind of, for whatever reason, I was just expecting that from the, I was expecting the latter from the packaging, that it would be mostly about the, the funkiness, the coconut and key lime, and less about it being an IPA. 
And so I think I was just pleasantly surprised when I got, hey, this, this kind of just tastes like an IPA. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I didn't super get the coconut. And I also think I have a thing in me that whenever something says key lime, my mind says pie. Key lime pie, always. I don't know why it is. Um, obviously, uh -huh. so key limes are just really small limes. It's a type of lime, obviously. Yeah. Um, and I've had key lime pie beers before. So whenever I pick something up that says key lime, I'm just immediately thinking it's going to taste like a, a pie thing. Um, this, oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. So this one doesn't, it wasn't as funky as I was hoping. Um, so right. we're, we're, yes, we're talking the same language where it's uh, definitely not as funky as I wanted, but it was really tasty and I liked it a lot. Mm -hmm. um, but I was hoping for something just a little, just a little different. I don't know. Like it, I would definitely pick it up again. Like it was good. Like, you know, what's funny though, is I was going to say that I didn't get the coconut and then right at the start of this segment, I took a sip and then I, I was like, oh, there is coconut here. But now I don't know if it's just computer, like purely mental. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. Because like, I don't. I was expecting there to be no coconut and now I'm picking out coconut or yeah. something. Because but... I didn't remember any coconut at all. Um, mm -hmm. But I also think I was focused on other things. I don't know. Like for the, I think it's a good beer. It's a good beer. It's tasty for sure. Yeah. Um, it's not super carbonated. It's pretty hazy like a. Kind of like a, a New England style IPA where the fruitiness is replaced with lime. Yeah, it just didn't have like the head was kind of uh, non-existent in mine. Oh least. yeah, it, it dissipated immediately. Yeah, which like I'm not a big like guy that wants a lot of head <laughs> um, in his beer, <laughs> but like it, was... it would have been a perfect transition because the beer I brought and you chose had too much head for me. It was like. Yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't even pull pour the full can into the cup. I had to yeah. pour it in stages. Um, so before we get to Holy Trinity, do we have our ratings for the IPA number eighteen, coconut and key lime? Yeah, I th like I like it. It tastes good, but um, you know it wasn't perfect. So I think for me, it gets platinum pretty mm -hmm. solidly. I think it's also platinum, a high platinum, mm -hmm. but platinum. Yeah. Um, for Rogue River. Uh, Rouge River. Oh, you're right. It's Rouge River. Oh, they really <laughs> like flipped that on me. Wow. Um, yeah, I've I've played too much Magic recently that I I just immediately read that as Rogue. I've been playing a lot of Rogues before. I can't play Rogues anymore. So um, yeah. So that's definitely been happening. But yeah, I think obviously I like this one a lot. I picked it. Um, you're right. Where there's a lot of head, and I could not pour the whole thing in. And the first time I poured it, actually, we were trying to talk. I, I like I was breathing in through my nose when I was sipping it, and I put some in my nose, which was usually oh, a bad thing. But for the most part, I liked it. Like, mm -hmm. um, I think it's a really nice hazy IPA, and it was kind of one of the ones that I would point to being like, this is the kind of hazy IPA I would want. Where like it's right. not too bitter, and it's high enough alcohol that it's really like smooth, but mm -hmm. it's not this like. Uh, assault on my mouth you know see and that's what i was missing the assault yeah <laughs> i just need like i like it a little bit more than that like that kind of tastes because maybe it's because of the carbonation because there's so much carbonation that it yeah. just tastes smoother um i think i was just looking for a little more punch gotcha 
And to me, I was like, ooh, this is like well, it's full bodied, well rounded, like nice. Right. Like yeah. not too uh, bitter. And that's usually how I like my APAs. And that's why mm-hmm. I like this one a lot because that's where it hits me. So for me, this one feels like diamond, like low diamond. But I have tasted this before and didn't remember. I remember liking it, but that, not remembering how much I liked it. And it's definitely the type of IPA that I'm like, hey, this is the kind, I like this kind for sure, you know? Nice. Well, I'm glad I could remind you how much yeah. you liked Rouge River. It does. Rouge River. Um, yeah, for me, it was platinum. I think mm-hmm. that was clear because I said it was close and then put the other beer at platinum. But I think they're both like fairly high platinum. Yeah. This is one I think specifically I would recommend this to people that don't love IPAs. And mm-hmm. um, I run into them often, I think. Because um, I'm oh, also... Yeah. There are a lot of, lot of yeah. people who are trying to... You know, the, the craft beer scene can be hard to get into because a lot of the beers are s- so high. They're intended for people who have already acquired the taste of, of some of these things. Mm-hmm. And, it you know, if you haven't acquired that taste yet, it's just really strong. Yeah. Uh, exactly. So, um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of this. I don't know anything else by Rouge River, but I should actually look that up. So... Not to be confused with Rogue River, which is a terrible brewery. Oh. Actually, no, I do know Rogue is a brewery in Portland. Um, okay. Yeah, so... Actually, they, no, I, I've heard of that. Yeah. We don't get a lot of them out here, but... Uh, there used to be a bar down the street when I lived in San Francisco that was Rogue. It was like a Rogue bar. And they, like, they mm-hmm. only served... They didn't only serve Rogue beers, but they served a bunch of them. And um, it was right. a great spot. I liked it a lot, so I went there often. And... Uh, that's a good, good brewery. Go check them out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but Rouge River. Rogue, if you'd like to sponsor our show, you know. Yeah. Um, we'll think about it. Just send us your offer. Yeah. <laughs> if, if anyone wants to sponsor our show, please do. <laughs> yeah, please do. <laughs> Oh, man. That's a good segue, right? Into our closing time. We're segueing into our closing time. If you want to sponsor us, hit us up (laughs) on our social medias, which is uh, at Arena Regulars on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, I mean, even if you don't want to sponsor us, you're welcome to play against us on MTG Arena. Our username is Arena Regulars Podcast. We'll probably be playing a lot during the new rotation because we got to draft... We get to draft as much as we want, basically. That's right. Well, that's not true, but we, whatever. We play a lot more at the beginning. Um, if you want to yeah. talk to me personally and be like, wow, that 6.8% beer really hit you hard at the end of this episode. What happened? Uh, my name my name is Zach. Hold on. Let me write this down because that's the exact comment I wanted to leave. So uh, what's, your, what's your Twitter? It's at Zulberg. That's Z-E-U-L-B-E-R-G on Twitter and Instagram. So both of those places. Okay. So if you get a comment from at Bluesbrews MTG talking about how hammered you were, um, I think that's just a, a loyal fan trying to make the show better. Oh, nice. Cool. That, that's great. I wonder who that is. A very handsome loyal fan, I would say. Oh, I see. I see. I see. Um, please leave us a review on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. We really want them. They help us out a lot. If you like the show, if you don't like the show, please don't leave a review. Yeah, just, be, it's okay to just not leave the it's review. It's fine, it's fine. Just, 
Um, <laughs> but constructive criticism would also be great, too. You know? Well, we do like constructive criticism, so please reach out on all those places. If you follow us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, all the places you listen to us, that's really nice. You know, it, it helps us out a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I want to give a shout-out to our friends in Poland. Hey, Polish folks, we see you. Yeah. We like you. Thank you yeah. for all your support. <laughs> Uh, it really means a lot that we're getting around the world, so um, keep it yeah, up. Yeah, it's the coolest part of doing this whole thing, actually. I, I, it's just all the different, seeing where everyone's listening from. It's so cool. So, um, yeah, thanks. This has been the Arena Regulars. Reminding you that Dragons is definitely a mechanic. Good night. All right, that's fine.